Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies. And I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi everyone. Happy Monday. Happy August. Happy Leo season. Happy second half of the year. I'm in a really good mood in case you couldn't tell. I am coming to you from my brand new standing desk in my office. I spent Sunday with my husband putting this thing together and it's really cool because it essentially has this motor and you press a button and the desk goes up or it goes down depending on whether you want to sit or stand or for the purposes of recording a podcast, lift it all the way up so the mic can be right by your mouth. So I actually think that the sound quality might be better on this episode because I'm not hunched over my desk trying to get my mouth as close to the mic as possible. Sometimes I also record on a little bench in my bedroom because my bedroom is nice and carpeted, so there's no echo. In that case, I'm usually sitting cross-legged on the floor, kind of bent over this like bench that's just supposed to be for clothes. Um, so this is much, much better. So I think that that has initiated a huge change in mindset for me right now. I've been, I guess, tolerating a bunch of different things about my working environment. I, as you guys know, work from home because I closed my office last year and we turned our guest bedroom into my office. I think I've been kind of fighting it for a while. Oh, I don't really want this to be an office forever, but here I am. I invested in a standing desk. I spent probably three hours yesterday going through all the drawers and everything in this closet so that I could turn it into a bookshelf and I got all my files organized, put a bunch of stuff out on the street, threw a bunch of stuff away. So I'm finally feeling really good. And the only thing left on my agenda is to do a big document shredding, have tons of mail that I need to shred, set some time out to do that. It's basically creating a huge pileup. I don't know why I still get mail. They should stop getting mail and just have everything electronic, but it all piles up and this is where I am. I'm pretty happy. My office looks good, hung up some art. My desk looks good. Everything's clear. Here we are today. We are talking about the idea of radical self-acceptance. I was debating whether or not to do this topic because I really, really wanted to do the topic. But as I went through and started scrolling through the past week's episode, I realized there's a little bit of a theme. Two weeks ago, I did an episode called Dump Your Inner Critic. The episode before that was called Stop Keeping Yourself Small. An episode from June was called The Joy of Imperfection. I realized that I've definitely been on a self-esteem, self-love kick recently. And this podcast has always served as my journal. It's exactly the stuff that I'm thinking about, reading about, and then I sort of synthesize that information and bring it to you. But clearly, obviously, I've been really working on my self-esteem, and maybe that's why I feel so cheerful and so happy today. I think a lot of the practices that I've been putting in place are starting to work and feeling really good these days, feeling really in love with myself. 
So I wanted to talk about that today because I feel good, but definitely not everything is perfect. There are huge, huge, huge chunks of my life that are frustrating and hard, but I think that this love for myself that I've built up has really been helping with that. So I'll dig into that a little bit. The first thing I want to talk about is actually a client of mine that I wanted to use as an example. I've changed a few details in terms of exact work background specifications about this person to preserve anonymity, but the basic gist of who this person is and what they're experiencing remains the same. So I have this client who is so incredible. She's probably in her late thirties. She's the founder of a company that's raised, I don't know, $20 million, maybe more, $25, $30 million. And she's extraordinary. If you look at her background, she went to an Ivy League college. She also went to get her MBA at an Ivy League place. I think she went to like the number one or number two business school in the country. She has a family. She's married. She has a few kids. She has a great home here in the city. She also has a beautiful country place outside of the city. She's really beautiful. She's really smart. She's really funny. She's very, very kind. I've been working with her for probably about a year now. And she's like a client who gets me birthday presents, even though (laughs) she's my client. She's so nice. And she probably has one of the most active self-criticism mechanisms I've ever seen. And obviously it's a business coaching relationship, but all the personal stuff goes into successful business. 100% it does. And so we work on things where, you know, at the beginning of every session, I say, Hey, I want you to come to the table and tell me three things that you did well this past week since I last saw you. And oftentimes she's really, really struggling to come up with those things that, that she did well, even though I know for a fact that there are absolutely things that she did well. And we're also working on some habit formation work right now. So ideally my client would like to drink less coffee, drink less alcohol, get better sleep, exercise more, all the things that every single human wants to work on. And she's actually making tremendous progress in those arenas. But every week she shows up and she says, oh, I had a horrible week. I'm so disappointed in myself. When anyone else who's looking at how much she has been able to change and grow and add in new healthier behaviors into her life would be like, wow, this person is really great at making life changes. So I really push her to appreciate who she is, what she's doing, how much progress she's already made. And she really pushes back and she says, Liz, if I weren't so hard on myself, I would never get anything done. I would never improve. I would never change. I don't want to be easy on myself because that's not how you grow. And I'm really, really trying to change right now. And I actually believe that the opposite is true. Of course, we can beat ourselves up. Of course, we can say, this isn't good enough. You need to get better. But in the long run, that type of change, that type of self-flagellation doesn't get you nearly as far as if that type of change comes from a very deep sense that you're already okay. That yes, you're making changes, but fundamentally who you are is great. 
Okay. I want you to go back and pretend that you're a kid and imagine that you are learning how to ride a bike. Most of us learn how to ride a bike by first practicing with training wheels. And then as the balance gets better, the training wheels come off and we celebrate. Wow. You you're off your training wheels. You're doing it. You're riding. You made it around the corner. Amazing. But imagine if you were learning how to ride a bike and you had training wheels on for a day and then you said to yourself, okay, that's enough. That's enough training wheels. You took the training wheels off and then every time you fell, you said, wow, you're a loser. You messed up again. Get back up and try again. Stop fucking up so much. You probably would never want to go anywhere near a bike ever again. But instead, when the opposite is true, when you get on that bike and someone, whether it's your parent or a friend, just gives you so much encouragement for even getting on the bike, for riding with training wheels, and then cheers you on when you fall down, then you wind up loving that activity. Can you think of something that you learned how to do perhaps as an adult, whether it's knitting or sewing or snowboarding, and think about whether or not you put pressure on yourself to be excellent ever overnight and whether or not that thing that you learned caught and turned into a hobby or not. And I'll guarantee you that there's a very high correlation between the things that are fun, that we enjoy, that we commend ourselves for even trying. We stick with those things and the things where we feel like a failure or a loser right off the bat. We don't stick with those things. And so imagine all the things that we as adults are not even trying or giving up on way too early because we don't have that base of self-love and self-esteem for ourselves. I have lots of things like that that fall into this category of me being overly hard on myself and therefore never being able to make a change. So I'll use photography, for instance. I took some photography classes to miss one session uh, because of work. And then when I came back, my project was clearly the worst out of everyone's. And so I never came back to the class ever again. (laughs) Of course, that's just me, right? I mean, maybe other people have more patience, but same thing with ceramics. So I took a couple of classes to learn how to make pottery. You know, it's where you go on the potter's wheel and then you shape the clay as the wheel spins. And I was just really bad at it my first session. And so I never wanted to really go back after that ever again. This is a cautionary tale. Do not be like me. So it is our job to make sure that we are not prematurely excluding ourselves from amazing things that we could be doing, amazing changes that we could be making just because we're coming down way too hard on ourselves. John Gottman is kind of this amazing godfather of relationship psychology. He's written a bunch of books that I really love and taught me so much about how to be in healthy relationships. And something he always says is that every healthy relationship needs a magic ratio. And that is a ratio of five to one five good things happening for every one bad occurrence that happens. So if we're talking about a friendship, you need to have at least five moments and memories of having fun together, being supported, feeling love between you and your friend for every one negative experience you have. 
And when that ratio starts to cross over more into the negative, then that's where you know you have a real problem on your hands in that relationship. I really think this is true with our relationship with self. Do you have five good, positive, supportive, loving thoughts for yourself for every one negative thought you have? Do you cheer yourself on, allow yourself to celebrate and to win five times for every one time you really let yourself stew in the disappointment or the failure? I brought this up to my client and I said to her, what percentage of your thoughts are negative or critical in nature about yourself? And she answered immediately, oh, 100%. And then she said, but I really believe that this is where my success comes from. This is why I've accomplished so much is because I push myself and I'm hard on myself. And then I said to her, imagine what you would have done if you believe that you couldn't fail. And that clicked for her because as successful on paper as she was, she's also held herself back from making bolder choices and from following her dreams. And it sort of led to a little bit of a career stagnation. Maybe that's not actually the right phrasing because her career is going really well. It's more that she is dissatisfied and she has a lot of regret. She looks back on her life and she thinks that there are a lot of bolder, more courageous changes or decisions that she could have made in terms of her career, but that she didn't do because she didn't have the confidence. She didn't want to fail. She was afraid to let herself down. There are also real moments of disappointment where she hasn't behaved the way that she thinks she should have. So I'm here right now to talk to you about this idea of radical self-acceptance. And I'm going to ask you the same thing that I asked her. What would you do with your life now if you knew that you couldn't fail? What would you do with your life if you knew that everything you did would be a success? And then the second question, how would your life change if you looked at all of your flaws as blessings? How would your life change if you looked at all of your flaws as blessings? And then finally, the third question to ask yourself right now is, what would it mean if instead of life happening to you, life was happening for you? What if instead of life happening to you, life was actually happening for you? I've been working with these three questions myself a lot lately. As you guys all know, I've been trying to get pregnant for almost two years now. It's been really, really hard and it's been really, really sad. Pretty much every month for the past 24 months, whenever my period comes at the end of the month, and I just cry and cry and cry, sometimes to the point where like I can't stop. I can't stop crying for hours because there's this disconnect of the thing that I most want, which is children and what my body is allowing me to do right now. It's felt sad. It's felt frustrating. But mostly what I have felt when it comes to this experience is shame. I have felt deep disappointment with myself. There are so many pressures that we feel in our society as women that tell us that we need to be feminine, that we need to be mothers, 
that we need to be able to bear children. And that is so much of what our worth is. And I actually think our mothers really felt that too. You know, this pressure to be a mom, even if it was something that they didn't necessarily want in their lives. And maybe that's why a lot of women have become mothers is because of this patriarchal pressure that we feel. In my case, I really do want to be a mom because I'm not able to, or I haven't been able to in the past couple years. I feel totally like a failure. I feel dysfunctional. I feel like there's something wrong with me. I feel really broken. And the hardest part is we've been doing these medical interventions. We've been doing fertility treatments. We did them basically February through end of April this year and nothing came out of it. And it was really hard on my body. It's very expensive and just so totally disappointing. And a big thought I've had too is that I've always, always, always wanted a nuclear family. (laughs) And I think it's because I grew up with the opposite of one. You know, you think about a family as being a couple of kids and two parents, picket fence, dog, house, that type of thing. I grew up in apartments with a single mom and a brother and my mom wasn't really ever home and we didn't have home cooked meals in my whole life. I've just been dying for that. I just want that so much. I want to give a child everything that I never had. And so this feeling that how my family might look is probably going to be imperfect. What will likely wind up happening if these fertility treatments that we're going through now don't work is that we'll adopt. And there's this part of me, which I know is totally irrational and small and short-sighted feels really sad because I didn't get my fairy tale happy ending. And the other day I was sitting with this and I just got angry and I got angry because of the patriarchy that's telling me that my family needs to look a certain way, that my life needs to look a certain way, that my ovaries and my uterus need to look a certain way. And these three questions that I just asked you helped me so much because right now I am literally about to embark on another fertility cycle, which I'm uh, now facing with excitement, resignation, dread, optimism, every feeling rolled up into one crazy, crazy explosive ball. But the first thing I asked myself was, what would I do if I knew that I couldn't fail? If I knew that it were my destiny to have the family that I wanted, well, obviously I would do this fertility treatment and I would do it excitedly and I would do it with joy and optimism. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to channel. And I keep asking myself, what would you do if you knew that you couldn't fail? If you will get your kids one day, what would you do? Of course I would keep showing up. Second question, how would your life change if you saw your flaws as blessings. So in my particular case, what would it mean if I looked at this hardship and getting pregnant as a blessing? What would it look like if I could own it and claim it and celebrate it instead of wishing that it weren't happening to me? Last night, I was talking to my husband about this and he said the most beautiful thing. This is why I love him so much. He said, wear your life well. Sorry, I just got really teary because I'm so moved by that. But he said, wear your life well. And if we adopt children, that's great. Let's embrace it. Let's do the thing. Let's make it fun. Let's get one from India, one from Vietnam. 
And the most beautiful thing about life is when you do it your own way. When you see yourself choosing a different path or having a different path chosen for you, and instead of kicking and screaming the whole time, just dive in head first and wear your life well. If you're single and you don't want to be, embrace it. Go on solo vacations. Do all the things that your boring coupled up friends can't do. If you're unemployed right now because you just got fired or laid off from your job and you hate that everyone else around you is working and it just seems so unfair, then embrace it. Remember that you have the mornings free and that you don't have to go to that toxic job anymore and that eventually you will get the thing that you very, very much want. When I wasn't working very much last year because of the big business shift that came with the pandemic, I said, great, now it's time to write. I've always, always, always wanted uninterrupted days to learn how to write, and here I have them. And then the final question, question number three, to ask yourself, what would it mean if instead of life happening to you, life was happening for you? We always say things like, oh, I got rained on, or my boss is doing this thing to me, or I had this really bad experience on the subway. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And I have said that over and over and over again over these past two years. And you guys, two years is a really, really, really long time of trying for this thing that you've wanted more than anything else for your whole life. And then month over month, not getting in and being disappointed. And so... I've been trying to look at this thing as not happening to me, even though I've asked that so many times. Why is this happening? Why can't we get pregnant? What's wrong with me? Why is life so unfair? Why are all these people around me who don't even want kids getting pregnant, right? Like, why is my friend who is so upset about being pregnant able to get pregnant so quickly? Instead, I'm asking, what could be happening for me? There's so much. I am so blessed and so lucky in life with my career right now, with my marriage. Honestly, this whole thing has brought Dev and I so much closer together and he has stepped up and he has been there for me and I just feel so lucky. And it's also happened through a lot of hard work, right? It's been because I've really needed him that he's been able to be here for me. It's because I've had to really push him to change his ways and he stepped up to the plate. And so I'm trying to look at this as something that is happening for me, something that is happening in my best interest, that is a blessing that is being brought into my life. Essentially, what I'm saying with these three questions is that radical self-acceptance is about loving yourself. It's about loving your quote-unquote flaws. It's about loving the things that you're not quite good at yet. It's about cheering yourself on. But just as importantly, radical self-acceptance is also about embracing everything that is happening in your life with love, excitement, and gratitude. Can you accept yourself as you are? Can you accept yourself where you are? Can you accept every single inch and slice of you? I've been starting to use this mantra (laughs) over and over again. I accept this, I accept this, I accept this, whenever crazy things that I don't want pop into my life. For instance, my very first appointment for this new cycle, of course, 
it happens to be that my stupid fertility clinic is so, so busy with all these ladies trying to get knocked up that they had no appointments for me. And the timing's really, really sensitive when you do these things because you have to do everything according to your hormonal cycle. So if you miss a day or two, then you might miss the whole cycle. I was getting really frustrated with trying to schedule and I wound up having to move one of my clients, which I hate, hate, hate to do. I never like moving my clients. And I was so upset and my brain started to think, here we go again. We're only on day negative one of this new cycle. And already it's a pain in my butt. Already it's causing me scheduling frustrations and adding all this unnecessary drama and annoyance to my life. And then I just took a breath and I said, can I accept this? And I said, yes, I accept this. And here we come back to the beginning that it is all about acceptance. And the thing about acceptance doesn't mean that you never change doesn't mean that you just pat yourself on the back and say, great, Liz, you're perfect. You're fully baked. You never need to alter anything about your personality again. That is not true at all. Instead, we say, I love what is. I love who I am. I love where I am. And then I joyfully move forward onto the next adventure. (laughs) So that's how I'm looking at it. Joyfully moving forward onto the next adventure. And I really wanted to thank you guys for continuing to listen because I know that some of my topics have been a little bit repetitive. You know, they're all about loving yourself, loving what is, embracing yourself. And I thought for a moment about doing a different podcast topic today, but I have to do me. (laughs) I have to speak to what I care about and what I'm thinking about because telling you these things helps to keep me accountable. I'm doing the work every day. I'm just trying to be happy here. And it really helps for me to synthesize it all, put it into different pieces, put it into different steps and questions so that I can use them. It's about me. (laughs) So thank you for bearing with me on this journey, for listening to me talk over and over about self-love, self-esteem, thinking positive, those sort of things. I hope that you work with the mantra of, can I accept this? Yes, I accept this throughout this month. And even if you don't, most importantly, I hope you have an amazing August. Hope you have tons of fun. It is going to be the last month of summer. So soak it in, enjoy, don't work too much, smile a lot, give someone a kiss on the lips today. (laughs) And as always on this podcast, don't forget to listen to yourself, love yourself and say yes to life so life can say yes to you. Thanks guys. And a quick reminder to rate and review the podcast if you love it and to subscribe because I record and release on different days all the time. I'm just spontaneous like that. So subscribe so that you know the new episodes are out. Otherwise you will have to be checking in all the time. And please, please, please rate and review and share the podcast on Instagram. We've grown tremendously in the past year. So, so much adding thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners. So thank you. Have a great day today, accepting and embracing what is, and I will see you next week.